Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. and welcome along it's that time of year as we're looking forward to June and the running of the oh hang on a minute we've missed that deadline already uh, we're in the month of Le Mans but the Le Mans 24 of course for the first time uh, since it's only time in September of 1968 we have a change of date I'm sure you're all painfully aware of why that is but here on Haggerty Radio Le Mans it is still our duty to take you through the field on a entry list that has been a little bit fluid and may yet be so although we're assured by the ACO that the 59 cars that we're going to talk about will not now be added to they actually have said that before uh, and did make a couple of changes relatively recently and certainly after the deadline that uh, we had been informed about. I'm John Heindorf. Uh, the best news for you is that it's not me talking about these cars. It will be our voice of the FIA WEC, Johnny Palmer. Hello, Johnny. Thanks for joining us. Greetings, John. Greetings, one and all. And uh, backing up JP Abley is the stat mistress herself. Actually, that, I probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, but it is Shea Adam who's been working on her statistical uh, progressions and exercise books for quite some time and now has something about the size of the Encyclopedia Britannica to go through <laughs> with us here. Hello, Shea. Hello, John, and hello, Johnny. Yes, it's about 60 pages at the moment, uh, to be honest. I've done one page per car and trying to keep it that way, but it is rather difficult when some cars have a lot more information. Well, that that is the truth. JP, uh, our uh, first uh, port of call should be talking about September because it will fundamentally be a slightly different race, uh, behind closed doors, of course, will change the atmosphere uh, in terms of what the teams and the drivers experience leading up. I think possibly the bigger thing for me this year than even the change of time of year, which will add a bit of darkness, uh, no spectators taking away a bit of that character and atmosphere, is the event itself, in terms of the track action, has been compressed so there's not a quote-unquote off day. There is not a day off on Friday. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that's going to change the tempo of the week. Yeah, it is because everyone looks forward to the celebratory nature of Friday and the ability to see the cars up close down in Le Mans city centre itself. So you've got that and, and also seeing some of the, the cars at the track, I suppose, before they leave for that event for the parade too. Um, yeah, we're used to two very intense days, uh, free practice-wise, uh, and then qualifying to set the grid. Uh, but that, I mean, that's changed as well for yes. the first time because we now have this thing called hyperpole, um, which determines, I think, it's the top six in every single class across a very short session. Uh, that was originally billed to be Thursday night's entertainment at about seven o'clock. It's now going to be quite unusually. 
Friday morning, 11.30. So slight anticlimax there. I'm really interested in how that's going to unfold and we'll, we'll kind of find out as we work our way through it. But It's still going to be getting yeah. on for half the field that are yeah. out on track at the same time. So space is going to be at a premium. I, I look forward to that. Uh, the other thing is that in previous years, um, there's been a lot of, of qualifying practice if that makes sense where the times would would count this year there's only 45 minutes where the times will count towards those positions for the top six in each category so that again changes the emphasis if you will it changes the (laughs) emphasis on how people would be looking at some of the sessions totally yeah um before you had, I think, six hours of free practice, which then led into a, a good chunk of qualifying. But 45 minutes is nothing with everybody all out on track together. Uh, it's timetabled at the moment for 5.15 local time through till 6 on the Thursday, the 17th. And then if you do qualify for Hyperpol, it's a further half an hour just before midday. But I, I, I'm told practice actually hasn't changed from the original timetable in terms of duration. So you got uh, two free practice sessions Thursday early-ish, first one being three hours, the next one being three hours with an hour off for, for lunch, and then there's evening practice from 8 o'clock on the Thursday night. bit more practice, just an hour-long Friday before hmm. then qualifying starts. So, yeah, it, it, the practice, the track time in terms of practice is not short. Qualifying definitely is. Uh, and, Cher, the bizarre thing for me is that... Ultimately, after your major qualifying session, which for uh, most people will set their place on the grid, take Eperpol out of it, um, you've got five more hours of practice. So in, in, in some respects, you, it's a bit like, look at what you could have won. Yeah, it's it's one of those funny things that the schedule for Thursday, as Johnny was rightly just saying, is so busy. But yes, you've got that qualifying session. And then after the qualifying session, a two hour break before you get another four hours of practice. So in that four hours of practice, you're going to find people who have already set their times in relativity to where they're going to be starting on the grid on Saturday, i.e. those people who don't get a chance at the Eper poll, as you like to call it. They're going to have the opportunity to go, oh, that was the lap. That's what I should have done. Whereas everyone else is going to be working on car setup. The drivers are still going to be wanting another shot because 45 minutes is not nearly enough time to go out for three drivers to set a time. So you're going to really have to put all your eggs in one basket. And then if that driver doesn't make it in, you're going to have the other two going, oh, see what I could have done in the next four-hour practice. There's uh, some detailed changes as well to the sporting regulations about how many laps you've got to do if you're a rookie, how many night laps that you've got to do in the session that is uh, designated as nighttime. We'll take you all through that in our live shows uh, through the slightly truncated week from Thursday through to Sunday on Haggerty Radio Le Mans uh, when we get into uh, the cars being on track themselves. Uh, let's look in this show then at the most numerate of em- entries uh, with just over a third of the cars that we'll see, 22 entries in GTE Am, of which, JP, uh, exactly half of those uh, are full season WEC entries which you'd kind 
of expect. Of course, they get the free pass uh, and the invitation in there. Um, it is a bit of a Ferrari benefit uh, in, overall in GTE. Um. Uh, yes, welcome to the current era of GT racing, ACO rule style. A Ferrari definitely in the 488. GTE dominant. Nice to have a, a good sprinkling of, of Porsches in there, though. Two, four, six, eight, I make it. And then the two Aston Martins, as you say, that get in because they are World Endurance Championship entries, TF Sport and Aston Martin Racing. It, it needs more, but really competitive GTE cars in terms of manufacturers, that's about it currently. Um, you, there's the trickle down, of course, from... Uh, from the pro cars, which we are yet to see as far as the latest spec of Porsche is concerned. So the RSR-19 you'll see in the pro category, that hasn't quite reached AM just yet. Ah, and we uh, should explain why that is, of course, because this WE season, WEC season actually started last year, didn't it? Yes. <laughs> and there was always the question, Paul Dallalana wanted to get his hands on the new Vantage AMR way before he could because as you say the the WEC was in the middle of the super season I think then he had to wait till the end of that before he could then count it as the next competition of WEC even though you know some teams want to race it in the ELMS but again there's a little bit of an argument to be had there because GTE uh, GTE in ELMS considered a customer category as well so you've got to wait for the cycle to be completed yeah so we're all a little bit out of kilter that's going to come to an end now because from the new year 2021 WEC will be aligned within the calendar year again so that that complication will be taken away if you like everybody is on Michelin tyres in this category so let's go through them we'll kick off with AF Corsa if we're talking Ferrari Amato Ferrari's team uh, has to be a part of that and supply uh, in one name or another JP a number of teams under their own team name they have the 52 the 54 uh, and the 83 Ferraris four in number order 52 Christoph Ulrich Stefan Gurig Alex West Thomas Fleur is in the 54 with Frankie Castellacci and Giancarlo Fisichella and the 83 as Francois Perodo Manu Collard and Nicholas Nielsen. Um, your thoughts about those three entries for AF Corsa? Um, the the, the Gurig, Ulrich and West combination is interesting. I've been watching them in the European Le Mans series uh, for the first few rounds in that. They're very much trying to apply their trade, get used to uh, endurance racing, ACO rule style. And I mean, brilliant that they could be into... Le Mans this early on because it's their, it's their first year in the ELMS but admittedly they're all bronze drivers I think I'm right in saying Correct. Alexander West yes so uh, very inexperienced certainly not maximizing their combination where you can in GTE and for those unaware have you, you've got to have a bronze in there your second choice can then either be silver or bronze and then your third choice is entirely up to you. So it could be a platinum, it could be a gold. So bear in mind they're entering with three bronzes. It's going to be really tough for mm. those guys. But I don't think, you know, the priority is not necessarily to win it. It's to get to the end. And I think there are a lot of teams in this, uh, in the in Le Mans, well, there have been over the years, who are battling the race rather than battling all the cars out there. They're trying to get to the to the end of the 24th hour. So I wish them all a lot with that. And they're with a quality team who can prepare Ferraris, you know, like the back of their hand. So great. Thomas Fleur, Francesco 
Salachi, Giancarlo Fisichella. That is a well-known lineup in the World Endurance Championship. They raced um, in the last two years, I think, at Le Mans. Yeah, I've got Fleur down 17 and 18 with those two drivers. Giancarlo Fisichella, with all his Formula One experience, first Le Mans 10 years ago. Wow. So uh, uh, mightily experienced. This will be his 10th running in a row, I think I'm right in saying. So, yeah, a very experienced driver and... Um, I think a, a great mentor to Mr. Castellacci, who is, uh, he is now 33 years old. And Thomas Fleur, who is the, yeah. and a silver, that's right. And the Thomas Fleur is the Vista jet part of that team. The, the, the car carries that sponsorship on the side of the silver and red. Uh, but yeah, they, they always go pretty strongly middle order in the world endurance championship. And I, I see no reason why they couldn't get a podium. Uh, in this year's race, and then the 83, 83 car, strong. yeah, that's strong. very strong because Nicholas Nielsen um, has now been bumped up to silver. Actually, he may still be; he has to be silver, but he is gold in ELMS. Well, he's silver. So that shows in the, you. Yes, he's silver in the WEC because that's carried Correct. forward. <laughs> they haven't had the new ratings yet. They go on from where they were when WEC started, which was you know back in the back end of 2019 because they don't change within the state the the, the, the time frame of a full season. So that is a tidy bit of business from where I'm speaking because uh, Nicholas Nielsen, having been a champion in 2019 in the uh, ELMS at GTE level with with Zeus Lusich Racing, um, yeah, I mean, that's a brilliant bit of planning there and finding a little bit of a loophole in the rules really but he always was a still silver prior to 2019 and backed up by Francois Perodo Emmanuel Collard uh, as you say an incredibly strong entry number 83 those three share a very difference in terms of uh, the experience that they bring to Le Mans as, as Johnny said very, very different. Uh, three rookies in the car for the 52. As Johnny said, they're going to be battling the race instead of looking for trying to get a trophy. I mean, of course, they'll want a trophy, but it's a little bit out of the reach of a car with the the experience level of those drivers for their first Le Mans, at least. In terms of the 54 and the 83, they are definitely podium contenders. The 54 has had a rough season so far in the WEC. Best finish of fifth for the Castellacci, Floor and Fisichella combination. As for the 83, it's been a very strong run in the WEC. Two wins, a second, and three fourth-place finishes has them firmly looking beyond the bigger picture of just winning the race. They want to win a championship, too. Let's move on to the 55 car as Swiss entered for Spirit of Race. This is the well-established trio now of Matt Griffin, the... Uh, Irishman, the gold driver, Aaron Scott is a silver. Duncan Cameron, the the uh, obligatory bronze here. The dark green Ferrari with the striped roof out of the ELMS. Shea, you go first on this one. I love this combination. Uh, three guys who have driven together before at Le Mans in the past. They've done the ELMS so far together this year, coming home with a win the last time out, a very well-earned win, I should say. Um, Duncan Cameron is just one of those people who loves Le Mans so much that he completely, he almost hovers off the ground when you talk (laughs) to him at the track because he's so happy to be there. 
teamed up with Aaron Scott, and then you bring in Matteo Grifoni, the uh, Italian-Irish ace from Ferrari, and it's just such a wonderful combination. If you're looking for a feel-good team to cheer for that actually does stand a chance, these guys would be it. And hitting form, Johnny Palmer, as Shea said there, spot on. They, they've had a bit of bad luck in races um, in the early part of, uh, of the ELMS season, but they've hit form spot on time. One last time out in very difficult conditions uh, at the the 240 uh, of uh, Le Castellet. And that stands for a lot. A bit of momentum, a bit of confidence. That might stand for a lot. Yeah, I think, well, Matt Griffin at the end of uh, the, the recent race at Le Castellet, crediting Duncan Cameron really for that whole win because he had, he had to keep it on the island during those really tricky halfway house conditions early on in the race. It wasn't fully wet, it wasn't fully dry, and they didn't really know what tyres to be on. And as, and as a as a pro, as a, as a bronze rather, sort of non-pro driver in inverted commas, mm. but very experienced, he needed to keep it on the straight and narrow through all the safety cars, through all the incidents and the crashes. And Matt Griffin was kind of in fuel save mode mm-hmm. at the end of the four hours. He just had to, you know, just tickle it home. So, yeah, they've been getting some decent results more often. Uh, the, the difficulty with them was that they retired in the opening ELMS race. So they're a little bit behind points wise. But I think you're right. You know, better to be on the crest of a wave as it's kind of tipping upwards, heading into Le Mans. They've also been hugely missed from this race, not raced it since 2017. Yes. When it was Duncan, Aaron and Marco Ciocci. Um, so great that they could find an entry um, courtesy of their, their ELMS uh, presence and that little bit of extra room on the entry list this year. I do think it's I do think getting that win will be important to them because you can quite easily come into a big race like Le Mans and look at it in two ways. If you've had a bad season, you can say, right, let's put that all behind us. This is not our championship. This is a one off, which Le Mans really is. The other side of it is we know we've got a winning car now and we and, but we've beaten all the other ELMS contenders that are in this race and, and I do think that'll give particularly Duncan uh, who's been driving better and better and, and all of the, the Pro-Am cars the GTE Am cars are only as good as their gentleman driver now there are some that have more than one so you know you're only as good as your least quick driver because none of them are slow and I, and I think it's really important to come in with a bit of confidence to say we know we can do it we know we can do it um let's go to porsche now with a couple of 911 rsrs from team project one 56 and 57 agedio perfetti larry tenforda from super cup matteo caroli uh, then Ben Keating in the sister car, the 57. Uh, with... You might want to group in number 89. Uh, yes, as well. yes, indeed. I was just scanning down for that there. Uh, Philippe Fraga and Jerome Blake and Morland join Ben in that car. And then we have the other team, Project One car, the 89 car. Um, S- Steve Brooks, which is not his real name. Um, Benoit Fretin. Uh, and Bruno Fretan, and at the, my time of looking, none of those have had their licences uh, approved uh, and been categorised by the FIA Drivers Committee. So there's still a bit of work to do there. Um, Johnny, what do you think about Team Project 1's entries? That's the 56, 57 and 89. Yeah, uh, we'll deal with the Fretans in a moment because they've no shortage of 24-hour racing, just not at Le Mans. Mm. Um, but Cairoli, Perfetti, Larry Temvorda, huge fan of Temvorda in his Porsche Super Cup um, cap, if you like. You know, very experienced in the in the shorter um, sprint 
Porsche uh, Cup races and has moved across to Team Project One, who are a Porsche Cup team let's Correct. remember that's where they've come from so the connection is pretty obvious uh Egidio Perfetti, who came out of um Le Mans Cup uh, Michelin Le Mans Cup as it's always been but it was G- Michelin uh, GT3 Le Mans Cup in 2016 and that's when I first saw Perfetti race with Klaus Backler in the uh, as was new that yeah, he's, year. He's, he's the Mentos GT3. guy isn't he he's a Mentos guy correct yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh Egidio, Egidio and Klaus Backler turned up at Imola in the, the first time I'd ever seen in the flesh the new Porsche uh, GT3 car, the, the latest 911 spec machine, um, and they, they flew. And, you know, that was partly to do with Klaus Backler just being an ace, but also I thought, oh, Perfetti, pretty good as a bronze driver. Mm. He is from Sorengo in Switzerland, I think, speaks with a very Italian accent, but Norwegian by nationality. So obviously wow. quite a bit of moving around in his, in his youth. Um, and his brother... Daniele Perfetti has been a British GT champion in the past with Michael Caine. Um, Matteo Cairoli, huge Porsche ace, so mm. no questions about that. Clearly, uh, you know, standout gold within Porsche ranks. Perfetti's the bronze and Larry Tenvorda is, is the silver, but that's solid as far as I can see. And Team Project One have good experience of, of winning WEC races. And then you talk to the guys... Um, Blake Merlin, Fraga and Keating, who have quite a long tale to tell about the 24 Hours of Le Mans 2019 mm. when they were in front, when the chequered flag flew. They were out front on the road, but then hours later had to taken noise? away from them. Can you hear that noise in the background? That's me dragging my soapbox out to have another go <laughs> yes. about volume yes. versus weight. Uh, How you measure fuel. Mm, yeah. Let's not go there again and dig that and one. There was, a, there was fuel tank size as well to be thought about anyway they didn't pass on on two counts and uh Blake and Merlin Fryer and Keating now who did actually win it was was it team project one who was, was second on the road correct and then Shea will know that was yeah. that so, was perfectly cast that that was promoted yeah. to to the win wasn't yeah. it Shea last year yes it was and it was Ben Keating who when it was announced that he was joining project one joked if you can't beat him join him and that's exactly <laughs> what they did <laughs> They've so got... sadly, gone is the customer for GT. We're not going to see that uh, at Le Mans this year. But uh, they've got they've gone to a very strong team, and those that uh, effectively beat them. Yeah, um, the eighty nine share. We'll talk about that in a sec. Your your thoughts about the fifty six and, and fifty seven? Um, nicely balanced team for the fifty six. We know quite a lot about Ben and Jerome and Felipe Fraga is no stranger to those two. So so those. Those two know, those three know each other. Uh, they look both pretty well balanced teams to me. They really are. Um, the big question that I have as far as the 57 is concerned, that's the Blake Mullen, Keating and Fraga car. Felipe hasn't been with the team for two rounds of the WEC this season due to scheduling conflicts. Shanghai, where Ben and Jerome with Larry Tenvorda finished second and Bahrain, where they finished first. The rounds where they have had Felipe, they've struggled on the whole a bit more. They've come away with one podium, Mm. but two finishes outside of the top 10. So it's been an up and down season as far as that grouping is concerned. For the 56, for the team car, Perfetti, Larry Tenvorda, and Matteo Cairoli, that is a stellar lineup. If you're Mm. talking about going for the weakest part of the link being Perfetti, and he's coming off of a win last year, 
that's going to be a massive confidence boost. But Lamont has been very cruel to Cairoli. His best finish is only sixth, and that came in his rookie year. So this is his fourth attempt at the 24-hour race, and I know that he's hoping to try and shake that monkey off of his back too. 89, still waiting driver confirmation at the time we are talking, and there's nothing to suggest that that won't happen. Um, What do you know about this character, Steve Brooks? Because that's in inverted commas on the list, which tends to mean that that's not really his name. Do you know what happens when you Google someone with inverted commas? What? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing Nothing comes up. Uh, I've got complete empty information for all three of the drivers as far as this page is concerned, unfortunately. And a little bit of help definitely would be appreciated. But as Johnny said, the Fratons are no strangers to 24-hour races for long endurance races. But when you're going into something as unique as Le Mans is, because there is nothing in the world like that race... It really is a different kettle of fish. Uh, and Johnny, this Steve Brooks isn't Stephen Brooks Racing, who is a late model racer from the US. What can you tell us about him? Anything? Well, Steve Brooks raced at the uh, Le Castellet event in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. So Bruce Jones and I were doing a little bit of head scratching to find out who he was. We didn't manage to have a chat, sadly. Now, Bruce is aware of a Steve Boltby Brooks, who is a Spitfire and helicopter pilot. And... Uh, first to fly pole to pole in a helicopter. However, that Steve Boltby Brooks is British and the Steve Brooks in inverted commas has a French flag next to his name. So, uh, yeah, he hasn't been racing and being known as Steve Brooks for very long at all. He's got one Michelin Le Mans Cup race under his belt, which is a 50 minute stint. And you're going into Le Mans as your next event. That's brave. So this is not the, the same Steve Brooks then that does classic racing either. Who, that, that's, the, that's where I knew the name well, from, but I, I've never seen it in inverted yeah, commas before. No, and um, I would think that, hopefully you can still hear me, John. Yes, I can, yeah, yeah. Um, I would think that, okay, good. Um, yeah, we're aware of one or two Steve Brooks, as I say, from the UK. I don't know whether the guy you're talking about is French, because that would fit. Um but I have a feeling it's someone who has only taken to motor racing in the last six months, maybe, okay. and has chosen a uh, euphemism. Is that the right word? No, pseudonym. Pseudonym. Non uh, de cause. Non de cause, indeed. Yeah, the Fretans, by the way, we know those guys from many Dubai 24 hours because they have raced with two, sorry, with B2F competition. Yes. And that is in the 991 class. Yeah. So they have done. Well, I've got Bruno at the Dubai 24 hours back in 2012 racing an A5 car and then more recently in the 997 and 991 class machines. Never raced, as far as I know, GTE level GT cars, though. So for all three of them, a baptism of fire. A big step up, as you say. But to be honest, if you can race endurance race a Porsche Cup car, then stepping into a GTE AM car should actually be a bit easier for you. Back to Ferraris next. The 60 and the 83 are uh, 60, 75 and 83 are iron links. Sheer, uh, kick off with the 60 for me, please. Sergio Pianazzola, Paolo Ruberti, and Claudio Schiavone. It's going to be a really fun car to watch. Uh, they've been doing fairly well in the ELMS without Ruberti in the car. It's just been the uh, the other two Italian drivers, but Paolo joining them back once again. A sixth and a fifth at the two rounds at Le Castellet. So they did 
figure out which way the track goes for them. But they're Michelin Le Mans Cup GT3 champions as far as uh, Pianziola is concerned. And currently leading the points in 2019. So a very strong season going on. I'm I'm watching this car. I'm not necessarily thinking that they're going to be setting a pole. Uh, Ruberti can pull out a fast lap every now and then. He's a, a former Sebring 12-hour winner also. So it's going to be a fun car to keep an eye on, but maybe not one that I'm looking at as an, a race winner for GTM. Okay. Uh, and Johnny, anything to add on that before we move on to 75? Really that they are... Yeah, they are very experienced driving Ferraris. It's just a question as to whether they can compete now that they're in the, the big show again. Um, Giovanni, I mean, you will remember a nightmare weekend that uh, we experienced with him at Spa where he had a, yeah. a crash, sadly, on the installation lap when he was weaving and got uh, clonked by Bronizhevsky, but it was entirely Giovanni's fault. And then he was involved in a crash with Will Owen in the ELMS race where Will misjudged where his LMP2 car was, darted from one side of the track to the other and sideswiped Claudi- Paul Claudio into the barrier. So he had a better Le Castellet during the ELMS weekend, but very inexperienced again. Bronze, 59 years old. Um, Sergio Pianazzola, double Michelin Le Mans Cup champion, I think I'm right in saying, in 18 and 19. And Paolo Roberti has you know, experienced this race a few times, but Iron Links are, well, you might think that they are a brand new entity. Actually, there's a lot of AF Corsa behind them. Uh, but Iron Links are um, a driver kind of training group um, for gentlemen racers who are looking to get into uh, races such as this. So it's a driving academy. It's for exclusive events and whatnot. And, and Iron Links um, are doing their job well because they've got a lot of relative newbies into the 24 hours. Uh, uh, their 75 car is the uh, e car, uh, all Italian, uh, Rino Mastronardi, Matteo Cresoni, and Andrea Pagini. I uh, couldn't sound much more Italian uh, than that. Um, Mastronardi is probably the driver in there that our listeners on Haggerty Radio Le Mans might know least about, JP. Well, hopefully not if they've been paying attention to the Michelin Le Mans Cup because, of course, we cover that during a European Le Mans Series weekends and he's had a couple of wins so far yeah. this year. So, um, very experienced as far as GT3s. Oh, I say very. Um, you know, a few races in, did a bit of racing last year as well. Uh, has been racing with Giacomo Pacini. Now, neither of the Pacini sadly were out in action last time out in the ELMS because of family reasons. I'm hoping that it will be possible to get Andrea uh, to the 24 hours uh, in a few uh, days' time. And Matteo Cressoni is the silver who has been in ELMS paddocks for the last four or five years, probably. So that's actually pretty strong. Reno Mastronardi, I don't think he's done much GTE racing. But again, if you can, you're talking about moving from a Porsche Cup car to a Porsche GTE car, if you can make that step from a Ferrari GT3 onto the GTE without the driver aids or so many of them, certainly without ABS, um, then you're looking for solid stints, really, from Reno, keeping it out of trouble. Correct. And then you can rely on Andrea Pagini uh, towards the end of the race. The third of the Iron Links cars added uh, relatively recently and good to have Manuela Gosner, Rahel Fry, and Michelle Gatting uh, back 
together as a trio. Uh, that car, as I say, is running 85 shares. So that is the all-female crew, but neither the stopwatch, the car, nor the circuit uh, either knows or cares uh, whether they're male or female. It will come down to performance. And generally speaking, uh, we've seen this trio do pretty well. Yeah, and I, I have to say, I like this car, and it has nothing to do with the gender of the drivers. It's strictly based on the results. They ran together last year a very quiet Le Mans, but they managed a top 10 finish. And while that doesn't sound necessarily impressive to people familiar with sports car racing, top 10 finish when you're in a class with a lot of really mm. capable cars of winning, coming in ninth is a really good result. So Rahel has been having a, a busy year. She ran the Rolex uh, with gear, was supposed to run a full endurance season over in the United States, obviously given the way that the world has turned out, that didn't wind up happening for her alongside Christina Nielsen and Catherine Legg. Um, but she works at her family's dealerships back home in Switzerland. So she's been busy full time. Then you put the three as a combination in a Ferrari at the racetracks. And for the ELMS this year, they've come home third twice. They've done it twice out of three races. So that's a very impressive grouping. Manuela and Michelle both have been learning the car. They've been getting up to speed. And this is a combination of two silvers and a bronze. So they're eschewing the option to bring in the quote-unquote gold or platinum ringer. They're going at this together as a trio because they work so well together. I think they've got a real shot at getting a trophy. It's the three Iron uh, Links entered cars. Uh, you're listening to a special Program from the Haggerty Radio Le Mans for 2020. Share Adam, Johnny Palmer, and me, John Hindoff, looking at the GTE Am runners. Uh, we're going down in number order, but picking the teams off as we go. So next up is the 61, another Swiss entry for Lusic Racing for Francesco Piovanetti, Osvaldo Negri, and Comledogar. Uh, uh, Johnny Palmer, two. USA-flagged drivers and a Frenchman in this effort. Yes, um, but uh, a, a kind of wider um, wider nationality than you might expect there because <laughs> I, I always had Negri down as Brazilian. And, I, uh, I, I yeah, think he is born Brazilian but runs on a USA yeah. licence. And Pia Venetti is Puerto Rican. I believe Correct. too. So um, mm. yes, so the USA flag uh, hides one or two opportunities for Shay and I to tick off another nationality in the race, which we always <laughs> like doing. Um, so Lusic Racing champions from GTE uh, in the ELMS last year, and this goes back to what I was talking about, Nicholas Nielsen, when he drove for Lusic, and that uh, team were very, very strong. However, didn't involve any of these three drivers. Yeah. Certainly, Pierre Venetti's brand new to Le Mans. Osnegri probably raced there before i haven't checked that and yeah. com lady Gar we did have last year so uh, yeah it, it's a well-known team to those following the elms but uh, there'll be a lot of introductions need to be had between drivers and team personnel there because i'm not sure they'll have a great deal of experience racing with the american flagged team but again lucic have strong connections with af corsa so um, af are busy when you think about they're, they're backing up Spirit of Race, they're backing up Iron Links, Lucic Racing, Red River Sport, we're going to move on to in a little while there, uh, principally an AF Corsa team as well, MR Racing likewise. So, um, yeah, AF have a lot of trucks to get on site and uh, <laughs> to get uh, through to France from Italy uh, ahead of Le Mans. Um, but it looks like a strong lineup, I have to say. That you would think so, yes. yes. Um, 
it's a strong lineup. It's not necessarily that experience at Circuit de la Sarte, but that doesn't necessarily matter if you have experience from other disciplines of racing and you can apply it. Uh, Oz, Ozzy Negri has been to Le Mans before. Yes, I think yeah. I heard you say in the background. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he ran with Mike Shank Racing when uh, I think it was uh, Lawrence Vantour who was in the LMP2 car with them that year. They finished ninth in 2016. So it's not new to him, but he and Pio Vanetti, uh, who's one of his students actually, have been working together for a very long time trying to build up to the 24 hours of Le Mans. And they've had 2020 on their radar as his first time to come to the track for about four or five years now. So this is a culmination of a dream for Pio Vanetti. We'll move on to the 62 car, traditional number uh, four, a Ferrari at uh, Le Mans, of course. This is Bon Grimes, Johnny Morlam, GMO and Charles Hollings. Red River Sport is Johnny's company. Uh, he has taken a, a couple of uh, gentlemen drivers through the years, of which Bon uh, Bonamy Grimes is one, and basically helped them navigate the... Uh, shark pool in some respects of of motor racing and the avowed intent for Bon. I mean, we talked to him at least three or four years ago when he was doing the road to Le Mans. I think as a one-off in that year when he said he absolutely wanted to be back in the main show. Uh, and uh, the career path uh, has has brought Johnny Morland back out to drive when he didn't really think he was going to, but he's not ostensibly there as a driver he's there as a as a mentor uh to to bon charlie hollings uh, is a very very steady pair of hands uh, as a silver didn't see them at spa um for covid19 reasons bon decided he wanted to go back home when the the um quarantine regulations changed this is not bond's dear job jp um he's a very successful businessman and, and couldn't really afford to be quarantined for a couple of weeks so they're left without turning a wheel in anger uh, at i think they did the first practice session didn't they uh, at at spa how they've been doing in the wec this year um, yeah, not bad. I was about to mention that uh, Bon Grimes may be familiar to those who are big fans of booking flights around the world, as you are, John, because mm. he's the co-founder of uh, Skyscanner. Yes. And the car the car runs with the Skyscanner branding, although I know it's on his, uh, his Twitter feed. It says, now dedicating the rest of my life perfecting poached eggs on toast, Good which line. is a great <laughs> career. Good lad. Um, yeah, I, it's been sort of mixed results in the, in the WEC. And um, believe it or not, it was actually during the spa weekend, it was actually Johnny Molin who was making one or two errors very uncharacteristically, um, which may have meant that the car could have got a slightly better result than it did last time out in the WEC. But um, Charlie Hollings, hugely experienced in, well, more recently LMP3 uh, racing, but he's also done uh, lots of GT3 stuff through the years and now obviously getting his teeth into uh, GTE racing as well. Um, just rapidly digging out the results now for that particular car through the course of the WEC to see where they are placed. Yes, I should say, by the way, when I said they left Spa, they left the Spa ELMS meeting. They were back the That's next right. weekend for, yes. for for the WEC. I didn't make that clear. Um, uh, they Johnny, they, so they, did, they were able to make it. Yeah, but I, well, it was also to do with... Um, and th- with thanks to MSUK, the uh, governing body in the UK of, of motorsport, that actually came out with an exemption letter and allowed Bon Grimes then to come back out to Spa to race in the WEC. And it, it meant he could go back home and not necessarily have to self-quarantine if he uh, could to back up the reasons for business. Um, 
they have had several top eights. Not so far a top five, though. Um, there is the chance to do that at Le Mans with double points on offer, of course, in the championship part of the race. Now, I always try and make that a very much a, a secondary issue because mm. Le Mans, I think, should be a race in its own right. However, it does carry World Endurance Championship points, double the amount of usual. So if you were to win GTE, you get 50 points. There's also a point on for pole as well within each individual class. So, um, yeah, two more races to go in the WEC. Have Red River Sport properly hit a rich vein of form just yet? I would say no. Mm. But there's a chance with two races to go. Delighted to say that we'll move on to the next one as well. Another uh, number that we have watched down through the years that is has become linked to a manufacturer, in this case a team, the 66, has often been the number of JMW Motorsport. Not always for Jim McWhorter's squad. Uh, Richard Highstand and Max Root, both of whom she and I know very well from the USA, and one uh, Jan Magnussen. Um, and great to see Jan continues... At Le Mans, all three of those drivers, of course, we've had the pleasure of dealing with in IMSA racing. Yeah, and so cool to see Jan uh, once again uh, continuing in a yellow car. Yes, Can good I point. just say, for the record, <laughs> um, it's, it's a great livery on the JMW Motorsport Ferrari. An interesting lineup. Richard Highstand, we knew, was going to be taking part in the race. Well, we knew that he was going to have the opportunity to take part in the race because he was the 2019 Bobby Aiken Award winner from IMSA with two wins during the 2019 season running with Lexus. He's done an endurance race only this year for IMSA, or an endurance championship, I should say, running with Grasser and a Lamborghini. But his focus has been on the Mall, And he's somebody who came to racing fairly late in life. He did karting when he was younger and then stepped away, came back and did some super cup a couple years ago. That didn't really go great. Let's put it bluntly came to IMSA and really found his footing. So this year, the focus has been all about getting to Le Mans. Max Root was, I'm not going to lie. It was a surprise to see his name on the entry list because I'd heard whispers of other silver drivers perhaps getting the opportunity. But a graduate from the GT3 Cup Challenge uh, by Yokohama in the United States, the Porsche Cup, he was second in 2018, fourth last year, or maybe the other way around. I can't remember off the top of my head. But a former Hurley Haywood scholarship winner, not doing a lot this year. Uh, He's not continued on in that same vein of um, championship. He's moved on and is running the SRO America with Wright Motorsport in a pro-am fashion. But this is going to be a totally different pool for Max Root because he's gone from wading in a kiddie pool, in effect, to swimming in the ocean when you go from running in a a spec series to running at Le Mans. Um, But Magnussen is definitely the person you want in the car to bring it home to the checkered flag. His 21st it's remarkable yeah good stuff Uh, that'll be a fan favourite that car for so many different reasons Uh, we'll move on to another WEC entrant now MR Racing the number 70 the Japanese Ferrari uh, with uh, Takeshi Kimura Yuhi Sekiuchi is that right JP and Kai Casolino that's pretty much what I say yes Sekiguchi Sekiguchi Um, okay I, uh, yeah, Takeshi Kimura, Kimura, I know a little bit about because he took part in the race last year with Car Guy Racing with Kay Cosolino. And they actually had Con Ledegar as part of the lineup yeah. last year as well. Uh, so Takeshi Kimura, uh, originally from Tokyo, and he is 48. He's, ra- he's 
Uh, first ever Le Mans was last year, uh, but he's done some Honduras NXS GT3 Japan racing Ooh. and also was a champion in the Asian Le Mans series at GT level, which basically gave Car Guy the entry for 2019. So, uh, you know, a, a decent base, therefore, to build on and bringing Kei Cozzolino, the uh, 32-year-old, with him back for another year. Italian-born, well, actually born in Tokyo, lives in Tokyo, but Italian by nationality, I think. One of his parents, originally from Italy, and I can't remember whether it's his mother or his father. Yui Sekiguchi, I know less about, um, but MR Racing have been a presence in the WEC for a number of years, and they didn't start with any of those uh, three drivers. So there's obviously been quite a bit of rotating there. Sekiguchi, gold-rated driver, so I should really know quite a lot about him. Um, Super GT, lots of running in that, and some good results as well with Lexus team, uh, the Tom's outfit, the the Lexus. Um, so he's the star, effectively, because you've got Cosolino, who's the silver, Kimira, who's the bronze, and, and Sekiguchi, I think, first time at Le Mans. Let's just yes. see. Yes, never raced at Le Mans before, but all his experience comes from the Far East and from Japan. But I think uh, he could be an exciting one, a bit like Kenta Yamashita has been yes. for teams like High Class in, you know, in recent years. Uh, and now you know, dear listener, why, uh, before we uh, start the uh, Broadcasting Race Week on Haggerty Radio Le Mans. I sit in on these programmes and listen to Johnny and Shea giving me all this information, which I'm desperately trying to soak up like a, a sponge. Uh, we'll move on to the 72. That's Hub Auto Racing. Taiwan entered car. Morris Chen uh, is the Thai uh, Taiwanese driver on that. Tom Blomqvist, uh, the uh, British Platinum driver, and Marcus Gormesh, the Brazilian in that car. Shea Adam, what can you tell us? Uh, it's Morris Chen's second time at Le Mans. He ran last, no, 2015 it was uh, that he was there, finished sixth. Since then, he's basically created this team. He's the team principal and the owner. We saw this Ferrari at Bathurst. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was also driven by Marcos Gomez there. Marcos, who's the 2020 uh, Asian Le Mans Series champion, he comes from a family of racers, most prominently in stock cars in Brazil, where he was a champion in 2015. And they're solidly anchored by Tom Blancfist coming in and joining the team Ferrari might be another new car for Tom. I know he, former BMW factory driver, I should say. Um, he was driving a McLaren earlier in the year at Bathurst, and now obviously that's where the connection was made, now in a Ferrari. But it's his first time at Le Mans, so it's going to wow. be a fun experience for Tom, too, who was a McLaren BRDC award finalist in 2011. So if you understand the importance of this race to every English child growing up, you know that it's one that Tom has dreamed about for a long time. Yeah, good point. Anything to add to that, JP, for, for that uh, that team? I just always want an excuse to mention his dad, Stig Blomqvist, because I'm sure that name will, will uh, you know, ping the out. The original Stig. Exactly. Well, yeah, precisely. But um, those following the World Rally Championship in the mid-80s, he was the 1984 champion in the Aldi Quattro. And um, Tom Blomqvist, um, though a different driving style, has proven to be, uh, you know, uh, holding the, the family name up brilliantly. Won the Spa 24 hours for Vulcan Horse Racing, did Tom, mm-hmm. in 2018. So, uh, you know, vast experience at 24-hour racing, despite his tender age of 26. Uh, and, and, yeah, Shea says having quite a bit of um, uh, good luck at the moment in the Aussie Endurance Championship for 59 Racing. 
Did, did he start in Formula BMW? Are, are we going back that far, 10 plus years ago? Did he start in Formula BMW in the UK? Because I think he I'm... he was a Formula Renault champion Formula in 2010. Renault. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. where I must have first and he's seen him. He's raced BMWs race. in DTM, so that might right. be the slight crossover. Uh, he has done some BMW Pacific racing, but the championship in the UK was Formula Renault 2010 for Fortec. Yeah, that's when I must have first seen him driving then in, in single-seaters. Uh, let's move on to Dempsey Proton Racing. So that'll be 77, 88 and 99 now I'll, I'll i'll go with whatever johnny says about this do we do we add the proton competition in on that as well or shall we just do the three dempsey cars i'd say stick with the dempsey cars because they are very cleverly named these teams although it is effectively the same outfit christian reed and his team have managed to get quite a number of cars entered because mm. they are considered by the aco to be Different establishments, if you know what I mean. Right, okay. So, 77 is Christian Reed, now the only driver to have done all of the current iteration of the FIA World Endurance Championship. He's got Ricardo Perra and Matt Campbell, Australian superstar, alongside him. The the one I don't know too much about there, JP, is Ricardo Perra. Okay, he is from Luca in Italy, and he's 21 years old. Started racing in... 2016 when he was a GT Italia champion in the Cayman Cup right um, and then went on to well I first encountered him in the European Le Mans series two years later when he was racing for EB Motors um, I'd be interested to know actually who his teammates were in those days bear with me a moment he certainly did all six rounds and we had Perra, uh, Brett Curtis and Fabio Babini so in those days oh. Perra was the silver is he still he will still be silver because because Campbell occupies the gold. Yeah, Correct. so um, he is uh, very very strong as a silver, and I would imagine in the next few years could easily be bumped up to to gold. As, but he needs to win a you know a championship which recognises the movement in in precious metal rating. But plenty of ACO experience. He's raced in the WEC 2018 and some races in maybe just Le Mans actually that counts. I know he did uh, six races. Uh, this current year as well, in the 77 car. So um, Perra has done all the WEC races to this point. And as I say, uh, somebody who is just about one of the strongest silvers in that GTE and field. Uh, Matt Campbell, Shear, um, very highly thought of by Porsche in Germany, came out of the Australian uh, series. Um, He's not had the greatest season in he's in super cup isn't he this year and he hasn't had the greatest season but the, the, the races i've seen him he's been a bit inconsistent um he is in WEC this season as his main program and it, it oh, hasn't we must have been just been... subbing in in that then okay that that makes more yeah. sense it hasn't been a stellar year though for matt campbell and you are correct by the way uh, when he's run in super cup it hasn't been he hasn't bambered it. Let's put it that way, because we have to we have to group all these Antipodean drivers together in, in the same category. Um, Jackson Evans is the one that you're thinking of who's been running in Super Cup full time this year. And Jackson is actually Matt Campbell's roommate back in Stuttgart. They share a house. So very easy to mix the two of them up. Um, but it hasn't been a Matt Campbell typical year no. because when he gets behind the wheel, he tends to shine. With the Bathurst win in 2019, the Le Mans win in 2018, we haven't had that 
wow moment from Maddie in 2020 and we've all been expecting it. So it's sort of that that question of is it going to come in France this year? Are they going to be the car to beat? Um, you talk about the weakest driver of any car normally being the bronze. Christian Reed has so much experience at Le Mans. I think the weakest driver of this pairing is honestly going to be Ricardo Pera with how quickly he can figure out the rhythm and the rhyme okay. of the race. All right, the second of the Proton Racing, uh, the Dempsey Proton Racing cars is the 88 we're going to talk about. Former Porsche young driver Thomas Prining from Austria, Dominic Bastian uh, and Adrian Delena. I think I've raced against Adrian's brother, younger brother, in um, in uh, prototypes, the little prototypes that I uh, raced uh, last year, gosh, that last year, uh, already um, <laughs> when I was in the SR3s. JP, uh, tell us about this second of the three D- Dempsey Proton racing entries. Well, Don Bastian is a, is a real standout because he will be at the tender age of 74 when he uh, uh, battles in the, the 24 hours of Le Mans. Now, Mark Patterson, who we will move on to later on, his ambition is to be the oldest driver ever to have raced at Le Mans. And he must have seen Don Bastian's name on the entry list and his heart must have sank because Mark's, <laughs> Mark's only 68. So he's got another seven years to keep rocking up at Le Mans to beat the record, assuming Dom starts, of course. Uh, so that's a, a little, you know, kind of nice little story for us to keep our eyes on through the weekend. Um, Thomas Prining, very impressive Austrian driver, uh, silver rated and uh, yeah, has sort of found a home at uh, Proton Racing, Dentsy Proton Racing in, in recent years. And uh, again, somebody who I think appeared on a, World Endurance Championship entry list a few years ago, and I thought, okay, who's this next kid who thinks he's the the real deal? But he really was, and he had the talent <laughs> to back it up. So, uh, mightily impressive. Actually, he may be the gold. My, some of my entries not quite fully up to date, but uh, yours may be. Adrian Delina still silver, I think. So that would make Prining the gold. Correct. Uh, and yeah, Prining fine. is the gold. Uh, and, and actually, I, I, I can't find um, Adrian's brother in the radical entry that I thought. Of. So I may have. Confused Belgian brothers, but never mind. You may be talking about the the, the de Sadeliers. Ah, uh, of course I am. That's who Jerome I am. Jerome de Sadelier does radicals. That's who. I remember who doing a well race earlier done. on this year at Alton Park. Yeah, well, Jerome was a standout uh, driver in that radical race at Alton Park. Uh, I didn't see much July, of him. Which I, covered. I didn't yeah. see much of him. He was in, he was <laughs> in his neither first. Did, neither did a lot of the people in the race I was covering, in fairness. So no. know, he weren't alone. He, he was very, very good indeed. Um, well, Hugo de Sadelier is on the entry list. We'll get to him uh, in another show. Excellent. Uh, no, next. No, uh, this show. This show. He's yes, in GT. He's yes, he is in GT. Stand by. Stand by, caller. Tepsi <laughs> uh, Proton Racing 99, then. This is the effectively um, the, the, uh, the driver entry that nobody wants to have to do this in close competition <laughs> action. Um, but having uh, done races in Thailand before, I'm going to have a go at Vuttikorn Inthrapuvazak. Inthrapuvazak. Yes, I think so. I'm going to have to get the... the. It's it's not Natavudi, um, the man they call Mad Cow, thank goodness. Um, but but <laughs> uh, he's with uh, the much easier to pronounce Lucas Legre, the Swiss driver, and Hugo de Sadelier. Chip. There he is. 
Yeah, uh, and the Thai driver was actually the 2019 <laughs> GT World Challenge Asia Pro-Am champion, and he was second overall in that championship. So he does come in with a little bit of super competitive experience in terms of needing to go wheel-to-wheel -wheel with people. So he's 45 years old, first time to Le Mans. Again, this is going to be the weak link in theory because the bronze driver and the eldest driver of the two, but you've got a 19 year old in Lucas Ligere and then Ugo de Sadlier, who's still only 23, although we've been talking about him forever and a day now. Ugo's third try at Le Mans. He did wind up on the podium in 2018. I think he was sharing a car with Will Owen and some guy named Montoya that year. Um, but memory could be letting me down on that one. A very capable set of young silvers for sure. So the 99, if it can stay out of trouble, it's definitely going to be one that we're going to be talking about. Right. Okay. Um, you might say that then. Uh, he's just going to become VK, isn't he? Vuticone. Um Then he's just going to become VK when he's be behind the wheel, I think. So that's the three Dempsey Proton racing entries. There is a 78 car for Proton competition. This is Holst Felbermeyer Jr. with Michele Beretta. And, and I'm still missing a driver for that. So apologies, JP, if, if um, I'm throwing you a curveball but two of the three drivers at least on the entry list that I'm looking at for for that 78 car yeah I concur that's the only gap I've got at this stage as well and uh, I'm sure that the 78 crew are you know frantically looking for a, a third driver I seem to remember that it's often the 78 in the WEC as well that is relatively late to confirm their driving lineup great to see Horst Feldmeier Jr sadly Losing his father, Horst Feldmeier Sr., Indeed. back in March yeah. this year. And we really miss Horst Feldmeier Sr. And the, the classic blue Feldmeier livery. Now, I haven't seen any pictures of cars just yet, but, I mean, will the 78 turn out with the Feldmeier branding? That would be awesome would if be. that's the case, to have it back on the grid. Because uh, I'm sure a lot of fans who sadly can't be at the race this year will remember that car with, with great... Um, you know, uh, with with real kind of fond memories through the years, um, because I think there's a slot car that they made in those colours as Correct. well, not necessarily with the 78, but uh, I remember going to that track, that little shop we go to often at the Nürburgring down the road at the uh, fuel station. Well, we have to and sign sure on, in fact, yeah. That's right, yeah. Well, it's not actually in the shop, but the shop's next door, and, it, it, you know, it's rude not to take a visit to there every single year. There are plenty of Feldmeyer <laughs> Porsches in there. Uh, Michele Beretta, yeah, uh, very very experienced indeed. Big question mark as to who they're going to get in uh, to back that team up. It needs three. You can do it with two, but uh, it needs three on the original entry list, I believe. So I wait with bated breath as to uh, which way they're going to go. The I, I, 78 is in because it's an ELMS yes. car, I noticed, though. Yeah, you can't now start the race with two drivers. Correct. You have to have. Even if one gets injured? or No, or if one gets injured. No, in, not. no you, you cannot now start the race with two drivers. So you have to have three drivers listed. They all have to do... Um, the laps that are required uh, beforehand, should they be required if they're not already on the list, of course. And if you get someone who is injured um, tripping over the pit wall, as we had a few years ago, and dislocating a shoulder. The rain car to We're looking at you. Um, <laughs> then that car cannot now start unless you have a replacement driver. You, you would be allowed a replacement driver if one was available who was on the list. But I think you would take a penalty and start at the back of your group for that. And you've got to have sign-off um, from 
from the stewards for that. But you can't now start with two drivers. That 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 is um, that is part of the regs. And I'm not sure when that came in, but it's. Uh, I remember talking with Trusses about it um, a couple of three years ago, certainly. Um, let's move on. We're in the GTE arms. We're firing through them for Le Mans 2020. Every session of the uh, Le Mans cars on track. Uh, live on Haggerty Radio Le Mans for 2020. Uh, so that's Proton Competition. Let's uh, move on to the next team that we haven't talked about yet. This is another a team and number that are linked together. The 86 for me always means a Porsche and it is Gulf Racing. Michael Rainwright, Michael Wainwright, Mike Wainwright and Ben Barker with Andrew Watson. Well, um, JP, I'll come to you on this. We, we used to see Mike and Ben together. Uh, Andrew Watson uh, is in the team as well this year. He is. I'm pretty sure he's been with them all through the WEC as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and Watson, um, yeah, he's vast experience in GT3 racing, having raced in the past with McLaren and more recently with Aston Martin too. He's an Aston Martin sort of semi-works driver, uh, but in a Porsche with the WEC and a, a solid pair of hands, I would say. Mike Wainwright getting quicker and quicker as the bronze. Um, this is a team that entered before they decided on their sponsor. So it's a very different looking car from 2019 right. uh, because in 19, the livery and the sponsor made sense. They were in golf colors, the, uh, the sky blue and the orange. Whereas now it's a black Porsche with the sort of little bits of orange detailing. But as far as I know, with no connection with golf at all these days, but they, they had already entered the, the car as such and couldn't change it under the, the rules from the ACO. So you might be slightly puzzled as to the, the disconnect there. Uh, ben Barker, uh, Porsche's, certainly Porsche Carrera Cup GB champion. He has probably won the, the support race in the past as he well. Has, he has that, with Par. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when there was 62 cars on the grid, something ridiculous, and there was a crazy end. I think yeah. you and I, John, were calling that at the yeah, time. correct. Um, Puncture so, on the last yes. lap, and he went through to win for Par. That's right. Yeah. Yes, he uh, slotted through with the, all the carnage. And does a lot of coaching. Still in the UK. I often seen him, see him at British Touring Car Championship weekends when he's coaching Porsche youth drivers there. Uh, and you can kind of always tell from the body language of the car that the six-foot-plus driver is out of the wheel. He's the gold. Mike owns the team. He's the bronze. And Andrew Watson is the silver. Uh, Shea, that's gonna. Uh, it's always been a, a crowd favourite because of the colour scheme in the past. It's a bit more like the original Adam West TV show Batmobile at the moment <laughs> with the black, with the, the sort of pinstripes around the edge. No less attractive from the outside. And clearly with those three who know each other from the WEC, um, OK, it might not be massive pace setters to start, but you, you'd, you'd want to keep an eye on that car, I think. For sure. Uh, I kind of laugh at the fact that Andrew Watson, he's having a year. He made his debut at Daytona, and now he's making his debut at Le Mans. So yes. how many drivers can say that they're getting to start their first 24-hour races at those two places in the same year? That's pretty cool. And, oh, by the way, he ran at Bathurst, too. <laughs> so it's a really fun adventure for the young Irishman. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, as you say, 
I don't necessarily think they'll be leading at the six hour mark, but they may be in the top three by the 12 hour mark. They may be troubling the front of the field at 18 and who knows, they might be there for the win at the end of the 24. They're definite contenders. Uh, by the way, before everybody tweets in the tie driver, that I was talking about earlier on, who we always talk about and has done some Nürburgring stuff, is Natavudu Charan Sukawatana, um, who's known as, as Mad Cow, just in case you thought I was sidestepping uh, that. Um, let's, uh, let's move on to the two Aston Martins. First TF Sport is the number 90. Uh, that, now, that isn't a number that normally... Uh, JP, you would associate with an Aston. That that's much more uh, a Porsche number, or it has been in recent years. That's true. The, the ninety is favoured by Tom Ferrier and his outfit. Who is the Tom is the ah, TF? Yes, of course. In TF Sport, so uh, yeah, that car's been that number rather has been carried through Michelin Le Mans Cup when Ferrier raced had a car out in that with Sally Yolich and Sally Yolich from Turkey has uh, regularly had alongside him a guy called Ewan Hankey, and they've been racing, well, from the, from the club days in the UK, probably for the best part of 10 years. Now, for whatever reason, Hankey no longer a partner of uh, Sally, who started racing, actually not 10 years, 2015. He, st- he uh, first was seen in British GT, and he also competed in some races in the in the GTC part of the European Le Mans series. Remember when there were mm. two uh, two sections of the GT entry to ELMS in 2015? So Sally Yolich, the bronze, but getting quicker and quicker. In the early days, prone to more than a couple of errors every race, it would seem. But he's now put that aside completely and is so consistent. The 35-year-old from, as I say, from Turkey, uh, originally from Istanbul. Then you've got... Charlie Eastwood, who is a Porsche Carrera Cup GB champion and has now moved across to Aston Martins seamlessly, it seems. So got used to the the rear engine cup car and now very experienced uh, silver in the front engined um, TF Sport Aston. And then Johnny Adam, who is a factory driver and sort of plug and play, gets your results. One Le Mans in that amazing finish versus the Corvette. Mm. Was that three years ago? Shay will know again. 2017 will be my guess. Um, but yeah, so he, mm, very good. He, he's a he's a former Le Mans winner, which I think could pay dividends to a relatively still an inexperienced team. Although TF Sport will have been there last year, yeah. yes, and they were there in well 18, 17 as well. So this is unbelievably their fourth year in a row in uh, in the number 90 car. Look, the car looks great. It used to be blue. It was blue last year. It's now a kind of some say cherry red. Charlie Eastwood prefers blood red, yep. which I kind of like. It mean, shows they mean business. And, yeah, you can see that uh, arriving around the corner from a long way off. Uh, and with the addition of Johnny Adam share in that as the platinum driver, shows that the Aston Martin Racing Works team are taking that entry very serious in, seriously indeed, uh, as, of course, they are with Paul Dallalana, Ross Gunn and Augusto <laughs> Farfus, the BMW <laughs> refugee who only made his Aston Martin debut at bar in the ELMS when Johnny and I uh, were there, what seems uh, like, 20 minutes ago, quite frankly. They might not have the numbers here, Aston Martin, Shea, but with Paul Dallalana... Um, almost a you know a, a fixture now of this category with Ross Gunn and Augusto Farfas and adding Johnny Adam to TF Sport there. 
they're taking this seriously. I'm sorry about giggling there like a little school child, but you kind of do that when you think about the lineups that Aston Martin have for their two cars. And then you throw in the fact that TF Sport have already gotten three wins this year in the WEC. And Paul Dallalana has won at every single WEC track except for Lamont. This is the one that he wants more than anything else in the world. And I feel like a broken record because I keep saying this year on year, best finish is sixth for Paul. He's led the race. He's been leading the race at the end of the oh, race and don't. still the heartbreak, it's, it's raw. And by the way, about heartbreak being raw, Johnny, 2017, it's still too soon. It's still too soon to talk about for the end Corvette of that one for Corvette fans. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Ross Gunn, we had in the booth with us last year at Le Mans for a little bit, John, talking about running in the support race with the, I think it was the GT4 car he was debuting that weekend. Correct. Just the, the passion that this kid, and he is a kid, he's only 23 years old, has for this race, for this marquee, for everything involved. Ross Gunn and Augusto Farfus, that is a stunning combination of drivers. Augusto, who's run Le Mans four times previously his best finish also by the way ironically is sixth Mm. so i feel like paul and augusto they want to win this race because they want to prove that they can and that the race isn't um it, it isn't stacked against them as perhaps both of them feel it is you bring ross gunn's raw enthusiasm into the race and then if you have the Aston Martin organization working together, which I'm sure they will be, TF Sport, not necessarily on their own little island there, this is going to be, I, I don't know how else to say it. it, it's its going to be Aston Martin's year with their Ooh, drivers okay. that they're bringing to okay. this one. I can't look beyond them in terms of they they could do it. Okay, so well that brings us nicely as we've looked at all uh, 22 of the cars in the GTE um, category for them on 2020 to our predictions then so Shea, is that who you're going for you're going for one of the two aston martins or you're going to go and nail your colors to the mast for the 98 or the 90 which one i'm i'm gonna say the 90 because Ooh. i don't want to curse the 98 <laughs> again and i feel like every year that i pick them it, it seems to go badly um i yeah the tf sport they've got everything working well they they've figured out how to run in the proper rhythm. Um, I will say, just to put it out there, I'm watching the 66 as well, the JMW Motorsport Ferrari, because depending on how quickly Richard Highstand and Max Root can figure out the track, the race, the the synchronicity of all of it coming together, if you've got Ian Magnussen in the car with a shot at the end of the race, he's going to put everything Uh, in it to win it. uh, And is this the first time that Jan's been back since he had that stone jam the throttle linkage and and crashed the car? He came back after that. That was 2015 that that happened. So he has been actually went on to win. Correct. That's what what I remember. Um, So the 66 then, if it isn't going to be the number 90, 66 being the GM... W Motorsport car, because there's no Ford running uh, this year. That's how they got their number back. Johnny Palmer, do you look for the pace of the Aston Martin Vantage? Is it the relative reliability and uh, sort of metronomic nature of the Porsches, or does the sheer numbers of the Ferrari uh, hordes, I don't know what the collective noun for Ferrari, a gallop of Ferraris, I suppose it would be, um, which which mark do you go for and then which car within the mark, JP? Can I see the balance of performance data before I answer this question? No. 
No, I'm being very, very cynical there. Um, well, it'll change anyway. So. Well, that's true. Yeah, you give me the sheet and uh, within 24 hours, they will have uh, changed the data, I'm, I'm sure. Um, see, I'm intrigued by how many Ferraris are entered. That has to be a strong car for so many takers. Um, but actually, I think, I think it's going to be a Porsche. And I'm going to go with, the, mm. with my heart, actually, following up the, the heartbreak from last year. I think a Team Project 1 Porsche could be very, very strong. And then I was thinking, would it be the 56? Would it be the 57? But I think the better story and the headlines would be for the 57, Jerome Blakemolen, Felipe Fraga and Ben Keating to take victory and actually keep it this time. So I think, I think all the Porsches will be strong. And I'm being brave. I know betting against all of those Ferraris, that, that gallop that you talk about. But, uh, yeah, my, I'm going to go the 57. Okay. That's the two two picks of our experts. Uh, whatever happens in the race, I do think the top six shootout in GTE um, is going to be fantastic because you, what I, what I don't know, and JP, you might know this, have you got to put a bronze in to qualify the car or does that not count at Le Mans? I don't think that counts at Le Mans. You can put anybody in, can't you? Yes, and um, because it's not two driver line, uh, two driver qualifying Correct. as it is in the World Endurance Championship, so you can put in whoever you want. Well, and they'll so, all go with the the gun drivers. Yes, exactly, and and I think that's going to make that top six shootout absolutely fantastic. Uh, we don't know. We 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 are. We, I mean, you could put those twenty two on a dartboard and throw a dart at it, and you might have just as good a chance of picking a winner in GTE. Um, this year so the might of Ferrari in terms of their numbers the the Porsches if there's bad weather and it's a bit cooler the rear engine car maybe does that come into its own or does the grunt of the uh, V8 Aston Martin does that do the job you be your own judge thanks to Shea and to Johnny Palmer the only thing for sure is that every single moment that those cars and indeed all of the Le Mans 24 entries for 2020 that are on track uh, is we'll have that for you live uh, on Haggerty Radio Le Mans. I'm John Hindoff. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the Thursday to Sunday, to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, remember, week at Le Mans 2020. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMans.com.